You're listening to And what is poppin' everybody? It is January the 27th, 2022. It is episode 89 of the Good Pop Culture Club. My name is Marvin Yuan. Joining me as always to talk about all the good pop through our days. We have self-proclaimed professional Asian American Jess Yu. Hello, Marvin. What up, Jess? Oh man, I'm ready for this year to be over. That's true. <laughs> this is the mm-hmm. last good pop culture club of the year of the ox. The next time you hear us, it will be fully the year of the tiger. Yeah. That's I my year. See- oh, <laughs> hey, wear some oh, red that- underwear. Apparently it's like a bad thing when it comes around. I hear, you. yeah, I hear it's bad if it's your year. Your so, year is yeah. supposed to be bad luck for you. Which, well, yes. my my year was 2016. That was bad, <laughs> that was really bad. But there's like been this like little meme report card that's been going around that like breaks down the upcoming like lunar new year with your depending on your zodiac sign. It looks pretty mm-hmm. good for the monkeys. I think, oh, you're a monkey. Oh. Yeah, so yeah I think mom. my year was 2020. So. That's pretty mm. bad too. I guess COVID yeah. was my fault. I guess I don't know. Yeah. Well, 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 well everyone was, shared in my misfortune. Or it was the say. last good year because technically, like, it ended in like February, right? <laughs> like, so maybe like, oh, it once it like right. left twenty nineteen. No, see, like, so you're the rat started. Oh, it's star- yeah. It's all yeah. your fault, Marvin. <laughs> it's all your fault. How dare you? Yeah. Also joining us, <laughs> professional culture editor Han Win. Hey. hey Han. How goes the trenches? That is a. Uh, that is a TCA. Well, as we were discussing offline, if you haven't seen me tweet lately, it's because today, this week is relatively quiet. There's only one TCA day. It's coming up on Thursday and it's going to be the CW. So, yeah, I'm enjoying my sort of mid TCA oasis from the doing two jobs in one. Only doing one job at a time. Pretty good. Well, I hope you enjoy your break. (laughs) Um, We're here this week to talk about Creamery, the latest show from Hulu, about a pandemic... um, Apocalyptic comedy. Yeah, it's it's like, why the last man, but funny. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Why the last man is very, like, American prestige, like, apocalyptic. This is a very New Zealand-style show. Oh, my God. I love it so much because... I love the Kiwi humor. So. <laughs> it's so weird, but it works yeah. so well. <laughs> uh, but before we get to that, let's find out what pop culture has been getting us through the week. Uh, Jess, what's popping? I started Abbott Elementary, the new mockumentary workplace sitcom set in the Philadelphia School District on ABC. If you like Parks and Rec, if you like um, you know Brooklyn Nine-Nine, that kind of like inherently optimistic vibe but still kind of touching on some you know cynicism dark humor definitely check it out it's about a a year it's about the teachers at a underfunded very rundown public school in philadelphia in the philadelphia school district it centers on quinta uh, quinta brunson's character who also created the show and stars in it she's like an inherently second optimistic second year teacher um, and then she, they talk about the trauma bonding of all the teachers that like uh, made it to the second year. Apparently, she started with a class of twenty new teachers, and only three of them, um, three of them make it to year two. And the inciting incident is that one of those three kicks a child in the first episode and has to be replaced by a sub, who is played by Tyler James Williams, aka Chris from Everybody Hates Chris, who is now all grown up and very handsome and has a fantastically <laughs> expressive face. This is already like we're only like four episodes in, and it's um like uh like the his his like reactions to the camera are great, fantastic. He you know, every time something wild happens, he just looks at the camera like, Are you seeing this? Like, what is going on? And you know, really fun characters. There's like the token white male teacher who like quotes a lot of like racial theory <laughs> and like writing um there's the old you know the veteran teachers the split between like the veteran teachers who've been teaching for decades and kind of more grizzled and like uh you know hustlers versus the newer like bright-eyed like energetic young teachers and one of them is played by chessie from parent trap who i love 
And most fantastically, the principal, their inept, terrible principal, who's just awkward and mean and like so ill-suited. She got the job because she she caught the because she she blackmailed the superintendent or the deacon or whatever. She's it's it's just great. It's a great time. Um, again, it's bringing some real issues about public school and you know what we ask of public school teachers and the system to kind of be everything and everywhere all at once but it is an inherently optimistic show and uh as someone who has went to public school has only gone to public school uh it hits even you know x amount of years later and lots of really great philly humor (laughs) not from philly but lots of great philly eagles jokes what a fantastical comedy about the plight of um Mm -hmm public school teachers i mean it's totally unlike real funny. life right? we've all been through public schools right we know mm-hmm. school and the school system is like inherently like it's so terrible sometimes you just have to laugh i mean i feel like at this point most of us probably have friends who try to become teachers mm-hmm. um in public schools and some of them aren't anymore Oh, I mean, terrible, right? Like, I, I, my friends didn't even try. We're like, we don't like kids enough to hang with that. Um, so yeah, I, I actually watched um, the first episode of Elementary also, and it's just very fun. It's um, really funny too. Yeah. Like, it's a very, you know, it's that you know, smart show. That's like, it's a good mix of like smart humor and also like, you know, like kind of like gross. Like in the same episode, you have like a little boy peeing on a rug and also a, you know, they call the white boy. They have to explain to the white boy that being called a white boy by the corner sandwich guy is a compliment in Philadelphia. <laughs> it's great. Oh my gosh. Would would really recommend. <laughs> Sounds good. And like everyone's really attractive, by the way. And it's a very diverse cast. Like you have mm-hmm. like, you know, three or four black women like in scenes talking about like first first scene passes back Dell test, you know, and they're talking <laughs> about very nuanced perspectives. Um, yeah, it's great. Love yeah. it. Sounds good. And he's apparently there's this one scene. Sorry, you could cut <laughs> this out, Marvin, but there's this one scene where everybody hates Chris, like helps to fix a poster and it's like he reaches up and just like fixes a poster and he looks so tall it's oh. and so attractive because he's just like yeah i'll handle it and he just like like it's it's like very hot i can't explain it so disturbing <laughs> i know he's like there but he's not he's like a, he's okay i'm gonna google his age right now he is 29 we are literally the same age so it's fine just um, what you're experiencing something you're perfectly normal at this point there's gonna be famous people that are younger than you and you're gonna yes have to i know it. again remember the bts can call me nuna <laughs> all the members of bts can call me nuna okay i'm turning 30 this year it's 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 a lot i'm dealing I mean, with it if that does it for you <laughs> um so well he like just fixed it and then i was like wow he looks really tall like that's very attractive and then apparently homie's only five eight Quinta Bronson is just so small that she makes him look she legitimately looks like 6'2 or 6'3 in this shot and I'm just like oddly what? You know it's okay because everybody loves Chris is age appropriate for you so no no creepiness there It's fine everyone's an adult and everyone hates Chris was like how many years ago it was like 15 like 20 years ago we're fine we're fine Not me We're fine All right, Han, what's popping with you? Okay, what's popping with me is a weird sort of two shows that should not go together, but I watched them fairly recently and just started them. So I'm going to talk about them. They're both on HBO slash HBO Max. Um, The first is Peacemaker, which if (laughs) you uh, watch Suicide Squad or if you didn't watch Suicide Squad. That's um, the Suicide Squad. The Suicide Very Squad. Very important to Yes, the distinction. The <laughs> distinction is that this uh, that is the James Gunn movie re- that was recently out that was a comedy. <laughs> um, and Peacemaker is played by John Cena, who uh, is this supposedly... Um, very patriotic guy who ends up killing all the you know the wrong people. He's also has some sort of chip in his head, so he's controlled because... Um, they can't use the chip to control him as in like they program him, but more of like because they can explode him. So he's basically like, you got to do what we say or else. Um, but he still feels like he's doing the right thing. He's now learning, of course, that consistently he's been targeting certain people. Um, 
So he's he's now kind of like coming to grips with that. He's out of jail after four years. Um, he has a a this is my favorite part, by the way, um, a sidekick that is an eagle called Eagly. Um, it is a CGI eagle who 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 basically hugs him and like hangs out with him and um, a lot of good stuff. I'm actually going to be doing a story on Eagly at some point. Um, and the other very cool thing about it is the opening sequence, which is basically a dance sequence with every character um, doing a coordinated dance. Um, as far as the rest of the show goes, eh, it, it's it's fine. I think my my coworker liked it a lot better than I did. I think it has a lot to do with the the uh, the older white male kind of realizing that maybe he needs to you know, reevaluate what he's been thinking and how he's been acting and his privilege. And um, his father is the Terminator two uh, Terminator. And so his father is super racist. Um, and so he has daddy issues. Uh, we do see him in his um, underwear in the first episode, in case that's important to you. Um, <laughs> so there's just a lot going on. It's actually pretty funny. Um he likes a lot of like old school like metal, which I don't like all of his taste, um, but it's kind of consistent. And, you know, John Cena is consistently just a good, funny actor. He really embodies this role well. Um, so I'm kind of curious to see where it goes. Um, on the flip side, doing a total 180 is The Gilded Age, <laughs> which, if you're not aware, is is the big budget period drama by Julian Fellows. He did Downton Abbey, but instead of uh, it's being set in England, it is across the pond. It is with the American um, kind of basically where uh, Miss, uh, let's see the Grantham's Lady Grantham's uh, family is from. So uh, the rich people in America, there are, there's of course class distinctions between old money and new money. Um, whether you are a Mayflower person or lightly come by your riches. Uh, and Carrie Coon and Christine Baranski are the main two women on the opposite, literally on the opposite sides of the street. But, you know, uh, Carrie Coon is new money and she also has a lot of it. And she wears ridiculous hats. The costuming is very fun. Uh, and there is a, what I think is kind of interesting is they have created a storyline for a black woman who wants to be like a journalist. <laughs> Or a writer, which I was just like, oh, honey, that's not where the money is. But, uh, you know, you do you. Um, but, you know, so far, so good. I'm actually kind of into it. Of course, the aesthetics I'm all into. There is an upstairs, downstairs sort of um, dynamic, of course. Uh, there is light racism in there. Um, there is also very <laughs> just a little as a tree. It's, it's, it's enough. It's, it's, they don't ignore it, which I am very pleased with. But they also don't ignore the class differences even between white people, um, which I'm happy about. Um, so, yeah, I'm very curious. Um, my coworker sort of said it has a lot more in common with, let's say, Dynasty, another 80s show. But that's a 1980s show. This is an 1880s show. <laughs> um, very important distinction. Yes. But it is very much like the Carringtons and, you know, uh, and uh, what is it? Who are the other ones? I forgot. But yeah, so there's kind of like that sort of like womenly, like over the top sort of rivalry going on, but also fantastic over the top fashions. Um, I, yeah. So it's oh. by the Dalton Abbey. Did you say this is, does this take place in the same universe as Dalton Abbey or? We don't know quite yet. It is 1882 <laughs> when we enter. So that would be. Previous 40 to, years before uh, Downton Abbey starts. So, so this might, if we meet anyone, it will be a an ancestor of Lady Grantham. So like maybe her dad. I just, oh. should we allow like really rich barony people to make content critiquing really rich barony people? Like yeah. Julian Fellows. I mean, that's the thing about Julian Fellows is like, hopefully he's learned some of his lessons. I do believe. Absolutely not. Have you not yeah. watched Downton Abbey where like everything is like the rich people are right. They're so benevolent. I mean, I enjoy it. I love Downton Abbey. I watched the feature film in theaters. Yeah. I mean, you know, take no, it in I a did. complete value where we don't think about the overarching um, horribleness of like um, yeah. barony and capitalism. How does the Gilded Age um, 
how how has it deal been with as the gilded a, ageness yeah, of it all? How does it fare as a just a period piece? Like how are the I mean, I guess there's there must be like balls and socials and like yeah. dialogue, I guess. Yeah, the dialogue, I'm sure there are a few anachronisms here and there just to make a point. Um, so people can be very catty. Uh, but the I so far I like all the period details, but like I besides mentioning like the obvious like the houses and the and the uh clothing, but just the uh like the carriages. There's a footman. I was like, oh cool, I want to be a footman. <laughs> and um because he's like he ran up behind it and just jumped on and I was like, Yeah, that'd be a horrible existence, but it looks fun right there on the screen. Um uh, <laughs> and um they of course are talking about like they have to deal with um how to tra- uh, get transportation from one place to another. So they do talk about like, oh, don't worry. It's just like two trains and a steamship or whatever. Um, so I, I'm going to, I think I'm going to enjoy seeing the early America sort of like of the gangs of New York, you know, styles um, and see it from the other side. But um, we do of course get the downstairs again. Um, we'll see more of them. There's, there's always there's always a redhead and there's probably going to be someone who is a uh, closeted gay. Um, so he's going, <laughs> you know, he's going. Sorry. Yeah, he's going to the same well for sure. You can see the DNA there. Um, but what I meant by like at least learning is at least there's not the token one black person for one season and then you never see them again. Um, so I think he's starting to actually try to do these stories from the bottom up in order to kind of make it more meaningful. And hopefully there's not an overlay of like a rape storyline just to have, you know, some sort of conflict. Yeah. So. I'm sure we'll revisit this as, <laughs> as the season goes on. This yeah. is different. Cause like, I didn't know about the death and Abbey pedigree. So in my head, it seemed like, because coming off of succession, I was like, Oh, more funny shows about terrible rich people. It is, it is. Um, maybe I feel, I'm not quite sure, but I feel like it, it's darker than Downton Abbey. Um, everyone, you're kind of ready for the cattiness for everyone. And everyone says horrible things like Carrie Coon. I adore as an actress. She says some shit here. Um, <laughs> like, oh, what about your old friend? She's like, oh, I, I don't want to like I want to make new friends. Kind of like I'm done with them. So and, yeah. but she's so wonderful that you're kind of like, oh, you just said that as if it's like you took off your shoes or something like. Yeah. So it, yeah. it is very. Um, American in that sense of like the Gilded Age and the new money versus the old money because yeah. they're Marvin literally there were like people who are like I'm creating a very specific list of families we are allowed to associate and the- all the re- new people cannot fuck with us versus the British are more like they're more classes but much more subtle about it like no yeah. one talks about it outwardly literally mm. Carrie Coon's first conversation that we see her lists all the people she sent invitations to and in in that list are the Vanderbilts and the Astors um so and they just moved to a new house where it's you know a a more preferable uh uh address you know and she's like well we lived other you know in that other place because I didn't know better but now I know better so here are all the people we need to associate with so yes you get that list and it's very calculated and it's very upfront and um it's kind of interesting in that way to see, like, you're not supposed to side with one person or the other. They're all supposed to be horrible, but there are times when you're just like, I kind of admire that. <laughs> so, <laughs> if that doesn't scream America, I don't know. What yeah, <laughs> it's very American, very much so. Anyway, so that's me. <laughs> what about you, Marvin? What's happened with you? So, we watched Creamery for this week, and every time at the end of the Creamery episode, there would always pop up an ad that reminded me that How I Met Your Father <laughs> is now a thing. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. And, yes, yeah. okay, I mean, to start this off, we have to, I guess, explore my relationship with How I Met Your Mother, which is the show that this is a spinoff slash sequel to. Mm-hmm. How I Met Your Mother is the um, original series that came out in 2004, which in 2004, I, was, I just turned 20. And it was, in a sense, my generation's friends, right? Friends was friends for, like, my cousin's generation, which is, like, a little older than me. And then How I Met Your Mother was, like, the New York kind of yuppie aspirational Mm -hmm. sitcom of, like, the early 2000s. And so I have fond memories of that show, especially the first two to three seasons, because that's when it was the strongest. You know, like many CBS sitcoms of that era, it got focus-tested to hell and... Like the other CBS shows like uh, Big Bang Theory and um, 
two and a half men, they decided to focus entirely on the most problematic aspect of those shows. <laughs> you know, two and a half men focused on Charlie Sheen's character, a Big Bang Theory focused on Sheldon, and How I Met Your Mother for the, the middle, like the, that middle section focused on Barney, which is the part of that show that has not aged well at all. <laughs> but it wasn't that was never my favorite part of the show. My favorite part of the show was kind of you know it, it presented that ideal yuppie. New York experience that we all aspired to, right? Like back in 2006, I wanted to move to a state. I wanted, like back in the day, I think it was San Francisco, back before all those social media companies made it hard to live in San Francisco. And, you know, Holly Much Mother famously had one of the most divisive, not even divisive, most people thought the ending was terrible, right? It yes. ended. It's um, like that and like Game of Thrones ending are like, yeah. oh, lost. Lost. Mm-hmm. I know one person who likes the lost ending, but we. Oh, can I know talk a lot of. Offline. I actually know a lot of people who do. So <laughs> I mean, the worst part is they had a perfect ending in there. It just went on ten minutes too long. Like yes. if they had just ended that show at the late title card, it would have been a perfect ending. But they yes. had to add in, and then you know, it's part of the. There's a whole story, right? The creators was dialed into this one specific ending they wanted. Mm-hmm. And kind of shoehorn that in, even though the show moved on since then. And so this new series, which there's two episodes out right now, is pretty much that um, yuppie New York aspirational sitcom for the new generation. Um, this time starring Hilary Duff as Sophie, who is the new hopeless romantic Ted character. In this fictional New York, where the pandemic never happened, apparently. Because they never mentioned COVID-19. They never mentioned anything about the city being locked down. No one's wearing a mask in this show. But it's That's fine. I'm fine with York. that. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think a lot of shows are deciding one way or another to include it or not. And sometimes when they include it, it doesn't work. So I'm fine with them not. So where the original series started with a meet cute in a bar back when you met people in bars, uh, this first episode starts with Sophie <laughs> on her way to a Tinder date, which already sets this apart as a rom-com for the new era. But the bones of How Much Mother is still pretty strong here. And I got to say, there's a lot of callbacks to the original series that totally tickled my nostalgia bone. Mm. Um, the intro music is like a, mm-hmm. like a um, little fair version of the original <laughs> jingle. That's funny. Um, like two of the characters that you meet in the first episode live in Marshall and Ted's old apartment. And mm-hmm. they mentioned that like, oh, they got it from these, this married couple and they kept the swords on the wall. So the kind of... That's it's like a cute. spiritual successor. Um, the cast is a lot more diverse. Like one of the problems with the original High Mitchell Mother and Friends, for that matter, is the fact that they live in New York where there are no people of color in their mm-hmm. orbit of friends. And this show, right off the bat, has a lot of people of color in their main cast. So two of the potential fathers are people of color. Um, the best friend is uh, a Latina. And there's another, um, I guess, supporting character who is an Asian adoptee from Iowa um, yes. who is also a lesbian. How many things? <laughs> <laughs> Played by um, Tu Tran. And the funniest thing is, I have a friend who is a Korean adoptee from Iowa. So when I saw her, I messaged my friend. I said, they made a character about you, but they made her lesbian. So that's why you can't play her. Yeah, but Tu is so funny. And she is gay in real life. So, you know, respect that. <laughs> yeah. We respect that. Yeah. What, what I do think is interesting is because, as you were saying, that the um, potential fathers that we've met uh, could be... Uh, people of color, that's why instead of having the voice voice of Bob Saget be the older um, version, we now see the older version of Hilary Duff, who is played by Kim Cattrall. And she is talking to the kids who you can't see the kid. Yeah. Because that would give away if they're they like learn. brown. They learn. I feel like they definitely learn from the original because part of the reason why they had to stick in that last episode is because they already pre-filmed the kids' reactions to the ending, and they really, really wanted to use it. And so strategically, that caused the ending to kind of be preset, right? Not only that, that means that the kids can have a different color. Yeah. Oh! (laughs) Because, I mean, yeah, so... People are coming to the show. I'm very excited now. Yeah, we can get some swirl on here. Yeah, so reversing it, it... Allows them a lot more freedom as to, you know, not being pigeonholed into a specific ending, which I don't think they should have been in the first place. There's a lot of, like, that ending was, it could have been perfect. It's okay, Marvin, it can't hurt you anymore. It can't hurt you anymore. (laughs) And the first episode ended with a touching tribute in loving memory of Bob Saget, who, you know, passed away recently, Mm -hmm. which was nice as well. But I don't know. I 
the show itself is pretty like it hasn't i mean sitcoms are typically things that i bounce off of Mm -hmm. um but the show is just like the second episode is a club show that is very much mimicking the club episode from from how i met your mother and so they keep doing things that are slight callbacks that i am totally here for and i did relate with the um so the original setup is hillary duff's character has been on this extended tinder message exchange with this guy ian because he's been abroad in australia and so they haven't been to meet up. So they're finally meeting up and she thinks he's the love of her life. She's pretty much like a, I want to say a, a less toxic Ted with Ted's uh, romanticism without his like kind misogyny. Of, yeah. <laughs> um, Sorry. I hate Ted so much. I mean, who didn't? God, he was, he's among those who is the worst character who's the main character. You know, mm-hmm, there are a few shows mm-hmm. like that where you don't like the main character. Yeah. Sex in the city, but yes, continue. Buffy, Buffy, um, and I related to that because um, my my own partner and myself, we when we started talking to each other, I was abroad in Taiwan for like a month, and then right after that, I had to take a trip to Chicago and then DC. So um, we messaged each other for a good two months before we met for the first time. So Aww. like, I think as someone who did date and found a relationship in the age of dating apps, I think this show definitely hits in that part. I just. These characters are all, they're, they're all Jess's age. So maybe Jess, you might relate more. With I, the I, I'm scared. Like <laughs> I've told my boyfriend that if this doesn't work out for a reason, I'm like going into the mountains and becoming like a cottage core lesbian. Cause I just like, I think it's gotten worse. Um, And, and like, I haven't like, yeah, it's rough out there from what I've heard from my friends it's rough <laughs> out there. Uh, And I feel like it's, yeah, I feel like the audacity of straight men has gotten worse. Um, which, I mean, we could talk more about that when we start talking about creamery. <laughs> but yes, yeah. uh, I, 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 I can check it out. I can, I can relive past traumas. I think Hilary Duff is definitely she's pretty solid in this. The cast is pretty solid. The comedy, nothing has been laugh out loud funny. But I did find myself chuckling at a couple of jokes. So um, the writing is a little cheesy, but that's just par for the course for these yeah, sitcoms. Sure. Yeah. Um, and, but, and for this specific, I, I mean, the original was actually very cheesy as well. Yeah. So, And I think that's part of why I loved it. I think the original was like that show in that day and age for me that kind of made me want to do what those characters were doing. And I feel like this show has potential and the cast is great so far. Um, You know, they, they have, you know, the, I don't know, was he the love interest from Veronica Mars? Is that? Yes, Piz. Um, he, he ended up not being the love interest, but he was into her and he was very briefly on the Grey's Anatomy spinoff private practice. Um, and I, he is in promising young woman. Yes. I like him quite a bit. I like the actor, uh, yeah. or whatever roles for, for a white guy. He's always been enjoyable to me. <laughs> <laughs> also, in addition to, to Tran, um, uh, Suraj Sharma also plays a, one of the potential dads. Um, he, of course, was Pi from Life of Pi. And also mm. um, he played uh, the main character, uh, Rakesh, from Godfriend and Me uh, back in. Yes, Godfriend and Me, which I liked the first few episodes of, actually. <laughs> yeah, so good to see Dumb him back show. on TV as well. Yeah. It definitely seems like they learned some lessons from How I Met Your Mother. We'll see how that translates. It's still uh, coming from a show that did an entire episode in Yellowface. I'm hoping for <laughs> just The some. only way to go is up. <laughs> Really, uh, the only way to go is up, Marvin. Yeah, yeah. So, how much a father? Um, promising start. Um, it is tickling that if you liked how much a mother and you, you know, are willing to give you know, Carter and Bays another shot at making a, a solid rom com. You know, I think there's some promise there. So, I'll, I'll keep watching it. You know what? You've convinced me. I was. I know. I was not watch. really gonna watch it, but now it's like okay, I'll give it a shot. I mean, support to you, Tran. Who is <laughs> A very talented performer. Um, and I do like Hilary Duff. And you I, know, do. I never got that Lizzie McGuire reboot. So I guess I could just pretend this is the Lizzie McGuire reboot. She's an oddly always charming person, even though maybe not my favorite actress. Actress? Not but, you the know. best actress, but also he's very delightful. Yeah, it I will watch whatever more. she's in. So Yeah. She is also... Um, ironic uh, not ironic i'm not using that word right but she is also surprisingly um again my boyfriend's like number one celebrity crush which is weird <gasps> and i'm like no they say if you don't look like your partner's celebrity crush uh-oh i don't know i don't know how i feel about that that's that's I she's think the competition that's a, no i think that's a weird thing for people to say 
you know, like <laughs> because well, people can have more than one type, you know. But so. he's like usually not into white girls. <laughs> But, but he, he really loves Hillary. But, but it usually has nothing to do with just her being a white girl, but more of like what he got exposed to and what, you know, her projects were. <laughs> Lizzie McGuire. Right, right. <laughs> so, yeah, um, that's what's popping for this week. When we come back, we're talking about Creamery, uh, the newest show on Hulu starring a whole cast of Asians. Uh, stick around. Hey, Sharon. Hey, Roman. How are folks still racist? I know, right? We're like two decades into the 21st century. Yeah. And second question, where's my jetpack? Well, I can't help you there, but have I got a podcast for you. Modern Minorities is a show where each week, my longtime pal Roman and I uncover common and uncommon truths that we all need to hear for our majority brains and ears. Yeah, Sharon and I have spoken to doctors, lawyers, directors, climate activists, angry Asians, athletes, chefs, writers. Folks who are black, brown, gay, straight, and everything in between. Past guests have included comedian Margaret Cho, Southern Poverty Law Center journalist Geraldine Mariba, comics creator Jean Lun Yang and many, many more. We've even talked about Ramadan, Black History Month, Kamala Khan, and Robin being queer. It's like we're trying to solve racism with the podcast. Challenge accepted. So check out Modern Minorities at modmypod.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Remember, we're all modern minorities, but we're no one's model minority. And welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club. On this episode, we're talking about Creamery, the 2021 Black comedy by the ladies of Flat 3, um, Perlina Lau, JJ Fong, Ali Su, and director Roseanne Yang. Um, Flat 3 is a, I guess they're a comedy troupe or a, would you call them a comedy Collective. Troupe? Collective. From New Zealand, um, known for creating some very hilarious um, digital shorts. Um, I believe this is probably their first work for television, I want to say. Yeah, yeah, I mean... The model's a little different, right, in New Zealand. It's more like British, where they just have, like, smaller runs. So I, yeah. I think Flat 3, like, the last season was, like, a full thing in New Zealand. But this is, like, their first show that's been, like, easily accessible over <laughs> in the States. Yeah. Uh, it premiered in early 2021 in New Zealand and made its way over to the States on Hulu um, in December 2021. Creamery takes place in a post-apocalypse after a global pandemic has killed all the men in the world. Um, the three main characters, Jamie, Lee, and Pip, live on a dairy farm in rural New Zealand, living under a women's collective. And one day, they accidentally run over a surviving man. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> How did that happen? What can they do with him? Yeah, so um, I guess let's get started. Uh, what do we think of Creamery? Oh, my God. I mean, I love a bizarre Kiwi comedy. Like, there's there's something very consistently weird about, like, all the creators that I enjoy that come out of um, New Zealand. There's a certain sort of dry humor, I think, that's also quirky and that embraces uncomfortable things um, and saying uh, things that are just unexpected. and. The, the fact that these are also Asian women saying and doing these things, this just makes it extra delightful. But also the actual premise is so bizarre because, well, while a pandemic that got rid of men isn't that unusual, you know, why the less man? But uh, I think what they did with it to make it a comedy and the comedy that is scary at the same time as it's hilarious is fascinating because it's also... It, we move eight years, you know, into the future after the, p- the pandemic started and um, it's ruled by women and there's this ruling body called wellness and you already know right there. <laughs> like, oh, no, it's named wellness and it's run by someone who kind of looks like Gwyneth Paltrow. No. And- yes. Oh, my God. No, it's <laughs> fucking bonkers. Because, again, like I, I it's hitting all those tropes of like an apocalyptic like survival like you know no men left which is a, like a different subsection of apocalyptic story like one gender is just a race like it's hitting all those like tropes that you we like and want to see but it's doing it in such a strange unique way and this is just credit to Roseanne and the ladies of flat three they are 
I mean, Roseanne is so talented. She has such a master of genre. And then mixed with like this, again, like this Kiwi sensibility, like you, like I did not expect it to go in any ways and to really create a whole show based on the theme and the MacGuffin of <laughs> sperm, like creamery. They're talking about yes. sperm. Like it's something that's so, it's like that weird mix, which I really like of like crass and vulgar, mm-hmm. but like really smart. And it's something that is like so done from a women's perspective because it's like sperm, but it's never the sperm jokes you think it is, right? It's mm-hmm. not about sperm jokes about like, oh, I've finished on her or whatever, but it's like, <laughs> you know, we're going to inseminate a cow. And yes. like, it's, it's it's like the theme of the sperm and like, and then, <clears throat> and then, but then it also is deceptively deep about like motherhood and like how we relate femininity to motherhood. Like, and it's wrapped in, a what is really a very short very fast-paced series so i'm just i'm like half of me is just like i can't believe they like pitched this and it got <laughs> made and they got bought yeah and broadcast to like an american <laughs> audience which is like wild um and like again i think the jokes and the writing everything is just very so female gaze right like the jokes are very female gazy and like the whole skewering of like wellness and cultural wellness and like positive, like positivity culture. Yeah. And like all the inner goddess posters. I have been in workspaces, like female centered workspaces that look exactly like that. And the fact that in the first episode we get like a gay sex scene, I'm like, yes, women wrote this, but like not in a gross way, but in like, yes, of course, if all men are gone, we would just fuck each other. Like, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, this all makes sense. There's that. And also the fact that in the post-apocalypse, the leader is still a white woman and the bodyguard is a a person of color. Yeah, Mm -hmm. who looks like Gwyneth Paltrow. (laughs) Yeah. It's uh, what's fascinating. Well, there are a few things like I, I, I what's funny to me, because I think this is also something not to compare it again to why the last man is the idea that just because things are run by women doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be all great because especially if the women are still following the same rules as the patriarchy did in the past, which is trying to control who gets to have babies and other people's bodies, um, which is what happens here because there is sort of a lottery deciding which women get to use the sperm that's been the sperm bank. And so that in itself is, I was just like, Oh God, this is so creepy get me out of here Um, same same thing different packaging yeah and and then of course like um there is some you know of the friend group you know pip is the one who's kind of bought into the whole wellness thing and so whenever someone's like oh my god she's like no oh my god yes and i'm just like (laughs) guys is triggering right which i thought was funny because i was like well goddess should just be god because goddess is the you know like feminization of a word so might as well yeah, just say you're still God. defaulting male. Yeah, yeah. So you just might as well say God. But um, but the other thing is like probably my favorite of many favorite things about the show was uh Sinkfest. So uh <laughs> let's talk a little bit about Sinkfest. I don't think it's gonna be too much of a spoiler because I think there's so many details about it, but it's basically a festival of menstruation. And um there are so many details about that festival such as, oh, so-and-so had to work at the Menarche tent, in which, by the way, Marvin, did you know what that was? No. <laughs> I've been in a relationship for a, a few years now, so we're, we're well past the comfort level where I know about menstruation. menstruation. <laughs> but, men- but I don't yeah. know the technicalities. Is that an actual, like, what? Yes. what is that? So menarche is it's the opposite of menopause. It's when you first have your period as a, a, a young woman. And so that's, that's why... That's why she, they're all young girls. Yeah. That. And so she's giving them, like, wa- hot water bottles and other kits to kind of, like, ease them through the first menstruation. Um, and so when as soon as I heard that, I was like, holy crap. And, um, and there's, like, uh, some sort of what they call it, a, a mascot, a, a, a menstruation mascot. There are festival games. There's a house of mirrors. It's just out, just bonkers. And I love it so much. The detail that they added to every single aspect of it. 
So uh, that was probably my favorite part. But like that's even one of many, many bonkers things in the whole show. Yeah. I mean, so my experience. So I've actually met the Flat Three Girls <gasps> and Roseanne back, I want to say five years ago when they came for VidCon. I, I met up with them. And also I interviewed Roseanne for when she was in Sundance for her short Do No Harm, which is mm. if you haven't seen it, yet, it's on Vimeo now. It's, it's just an amazing like, action short. So the Flat Three, before Creamery, they're most well-known for uh, their web series, especially one called Friday Night Bites, which is essentially like a, I want to say, how would you describe it? Kind of like a Portlandia, but for like 20-something New Zealanders. <laughs> yeah. Right? Or I watch Flat Three, which is like three young mm-hmm. Kiwi Asian women, like loving life and work. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, it's it's always been the writing has always been there. The weird sense of humor has always been there, regardless of production budget. Just very talented set of um, folks, and kind of a shining example of what happens when you fund the arts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think Friday Night Bites was their web series that was picked up by New Zealand on air as a on demand series funded by the New Zealand like arts commission or council or whatever um, that allowed them to like put more budget into their work. Um, two episodes that really stick out to me were the ones where Ali plays a Travis Bickle like Uber driver. And then there's another really great short that actually got, got called back on in creamery where um, the girls are getting ready for like a night out. And then they accidentally cut Perlina's bangs, the one who plays Pip. And then she turns into Roseanne. I mean, we've all director. been there. I've never turned into Roseanne, but, you know, I, I have tried to cut my own bangs yeah. to and there, a terrible effect. And there's a scene in um, in Creamery where Ali's trying to find Pip and then she finds Roseanne instead. <laughs> but I think, like Jess said, the series preserves that quippy kiwi humor from Friday Night Bites and Flat 3 and also um, benefits from, because since those web series, Roseanne has gone on to direct feature films, mm-hmm. um, genre films. And so she bring that back also to the group, I, you can definitely see the growth in just Roseanne's directing as well. And I just think, yeah, it's just such a, I mean, that that sequence in the House of Mirrors is just so mm-hmm. well done. Yeah, she's mm-hmm. doing Avatar, the live action series now. Yeah, I mean, besides the humor, as we were talking about, um, I think the high energy is perfectly sort of balanced by Roseanne's direction. Um because of those moments when we have a there's so much action in this in this yeah. these six episodes you a know a lot of action a lot of tension and a lot of drama too i think even the girls are like acting the crap out of all of their roles i mean um the scenes where you know jj's character um jamie is reflecting on everything she lost in the pandemic is those are powerful scenes i felt like oh yeah i'm always fascinated how the british do it and now how the, uh, the kiwi are doing it <laughs> as far as Packing in so much story into six short half hour episodes that are not just hilariously funny, but also very moving. Um, Each of the characters have their own arcs. You get to know them by the end of these six episodes. And yet you never feel like you're getting like a lot of exposition. Um, Everything's moving the whole time. It's still funny the whole time. I'm just fascinated by this world that they created. I feel like they're like, oh, our audience is smart enough. They'll get it. Yeah. <laughs> like Americans are yeah. like, no, no, they're going to totally miss the fact that like all the men have died and that she lost uh, her one year old son uh-huh. and her husband. That's why she's so desperate to be a mother again, you know? But I would be really sad too if my hot ass husband, played by Yo San An, oh. who looks like a fucking lumberjack little, little snack, would die too. I, I, I was very sad because. Man, going through college, like that was my aesthetic. <laughs> like sexy lumberjack man. Basically but, like, flannel. Him, like, Asian and beautiful. Basically flannel on a beanie. <laughs> Just, oh yeah. It still works. Yeah. It still works. Yeah, but also he's hot. So he's so hot. Yeah, and when you realize that that's his dairy farm, it's Jackson's farm. Yeah. Like Jackson's creamery. That's oh. Yeah. Uh the the creamery, creamery, double entendre, the milking of cows and men. Um, and just, there's just all the, all of the, the, what mil- a 
stuff then. What How did a that power make you move. feel, Marvin, as, as a man? How did that make you feel to be compared to a cow? <laughs> what a power move to create a world where men are valued only for their reproductive uh, potential. <laughs> yeah, I think that was right. kind of their discussion was that this was a flip, but also a comedic flip of Handmaid's Tale. Um, ah, yeah. yeah. So you yeah, can see yeah, it. Yeah. Makes, yeah. makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I won't discuss the ending that much, but obviously there's a spoiler there. So, um, yeah, yeah be forewarned. <laughs> there is a monster of a cliffhanger, which makes me think they, they, but they have to be. That's why it's so crazy. Two, right? It's like, it's six, <laughs> six episodes. It was a six or yeah, eight. It's six, like a very, six. and they're like 20 minute episodes. I'm like, what is, this is so much. I, <laughs> so much is happening. I immediately Googled to see what was happening with season two, which I'm sure everyone else will when they get to the end. Um, I think that they are hoping because they have story ideas, of course, planned, but it has yet to be greenlit. I think they were waiting for it to hit Hulu to see how it does. Um, And so I really do hope that more people watch it because that's the other thing. It's like I I think all the everybody's willing. I think they just want to make sure that it makes sense to. Yeah, I mean, it's I kind of mentioned after watching you not wanting to see more because also because it does end on that gnarly cliffhanger. But I mean, it's just. It's just such a strong show. And like even if like it goes the way of what we do in the shadows where we get like an American version of it, mm-hmm. as long as you know the creative team behind it remains behind it, I I'd be almost okay with that too. So I do you hear us FX? <laughs> I will say I think it's gonna be a while because Roseanne is quite busy. Yes. <laughs> and I can see that. But it you know what? It's only six episodes <laughs> for a second season. Squeeze it in, <laughs> squeeze it in on the hiatus for the other show. <laughs> What did we think about the um, the titular man, Bobby? I didn't get him. I, I forgot. I was going to Google him to see if there was a reason why he was cast. <laughs> I think he's just like, maybe he's just like a, not not my cup of tea, but just kind of like ruggedly handsome enough, but like not. He's. He's not really the point, right? Right, right. Like, he's he's not really the point. It's about I mean, everyone he, else. I mean, all he did was grunt anyway, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's it's kind of like, oh, like, I think, like, he reads as, like, traditionally handsome, but, like, kind of not that memorable. Sorry, actor who played him. Um, You did a great job. But, like, again, it's, it's, it's just kind of, like, in, in the case where a lot of these things are, like, reversed, right? He's yeah. just kind of the backdrop in which we're getting the reactions of, um, the three women and then and and everyone else who comes in, all the women who come in contact with him and then I also think it's like he's plain enough that they can all just bounce whatever they want off of him <laughs> yeah right yeah he was he was fine I looked I looked him up and he's done stuff so I guess he's known in like New Zealand <laughs> I did love that they got consummate New Zealand Maori actress. Rachel, Rachel House. House. Oh my God. <laughs> so excited when I saw her, um, you know, she's between so the legs. She's like great vulva, just knocking it out from the first. She's so great. Line. Just great vulva. And I've seen a lot of them. <laughs> I mean, everything she said, we needed more of her, in fact. But like, I get it. You get, you, you use as much of her as you can. So. Yeah, we've all we've all talked about our thoughts about Creamery. Um, so we got to ask ourselves, is Creamery good pop? Mm, great pop yes i need more like pretty much from every angle Mm -hmm. like like from just the plain storytelling concept like wild fun angle yes we want more of those from a like a women like centered angle yes we want more from like an asian asian diaspora diaspora not american but like you know like a like a woman of color perspective like yes love it let's let's more and just more from these ladies in general like these specific four ladies i've liked everything they've put out and i would like to see what they could do with even more money yeah i mean this is probably the biggest budget they've had and they put out just solid go like just throw like i think the lesson here is just give roseanne as much money as she needs to make whatever she wants because it's gonna be great give her a blank check yeah fantastic show i can't wait to see what else they're gonna do next i'm going to dig back and watch all their other stuff i already started watching do no harm which is already within like three minutes i was just like wow this is great um so i do think that it's just a matter of time hopefully that this can get a second season 
Yeah, just more proof that the people from New Zealand are just way more talented than we are. Yeah. And you got your Taikas, you got your flat three. My my other favorite star Starstruck. Rose um <laughs> Madfeo? Madfeo. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I love it. And I will say, you know, props to these New Zealand women for just really finding attractive men to stick in their projects. Like, really, when we talk about feminine gays, this is this is what we this is what I want. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I, I agree. Like th- that is probably actually one of the best things because I was just like, yeah, get the hottest Asian guy you can to be like your your former you know husband lover whatever it is so like, yeah i will watch any flashback with him in it well with that that'll do it for our discussion of creamery now playing on hulu um as you can hear definitely highly recommended by a good pop um definitely check it out so we can all demand a second season um just han um uh, if you want to find out more of your thoughts where can they go my trash takes are on twitter at just you tweets and i am at hanonymous you can find me on Twitter at Marvin Yue. You can find our show at Good Pop Club. We are a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective. Check out our fellow Asian-hosted podcasts by going to the website podcastpotluck.com. And yeah, wishing everyone a happy Lunar New Year. Um, hopefully your year of the tiger will be full <laughs> of, let's just say good health. Let's just wish everyone good health. Mm-hmm. Let the world just be healthy for once. What, what are you supposed to eat for that? I know the dumplings is like the money, but... Um... <laughs> Noodles, right? I think noodles, right? Long like, noodles are long life. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or nian gao, yeah. right? Yeah. And, oh, I got to go buy myself some new clothes. I got to go clean the house. Just start cleaning now. I was going to try and do the whole uh, make the bang chung again and like get you to g- pick up my stuff. But I was like, I think I'm too lazy this year. So I'm just going <laughs> to just maybe try to find somewhere to buy it. <laughs> just order it. Yeah. Yeah. It's harder, though, because there's nothing like in North Hollywood. So I might still have to go mm-hmm. to. You got to come down to San Diego Valley or yeah. Westminster. Yeah. Well, probably SGV is closer than mm. Westminster. So. Yeah. Well, however you celebrate, we wish you a happy Lunar New Year and we'll see you in the Year of the Tiger. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. I'm Marvin. And I'm Rira. And we're the hosts of Books and Bulba, a book club and podcast dedicated to books by Asian and Asian American authors. Each month, we pick a book by an Asian author to read and discuss on the show. We read a variety of genres, including contemporary and historical fiction, sci-fi and fantasy, romance and cozy mysteries, and so much more. Our past book club picks have included Pachinko by Min Jin Lee, Patron Saints of Nothing by Randy Ribeye, Grace of Kings by Ken Liu, and The Kiss Quotient by Helen Huang. Every month, we also go through the latest news in Asian American literature, as well as chat with some awesome Asian authors about their works. So whether you want to start reading for fun again or diversify your TBR list, we got your Asian literature cravings covered. For more info, check out our website at booksandboba.com, and you can listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever you find your podcasts part of the Potluck Podcast Collective.